Welcome to the Millionaire Maker Show, a podcast helping online coaches monetize their life's work and scale their businesses to create more time, more money, more freedom, and more impact. Now, with over 20 years of business building, coaching, and consulting experience, here's your host, author, speaker, and creator of the Millionaire Maker Coaching Funnel, Lindsay Anderson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Millionaire Maker Show. So excited that you are here today. Today, I have a very special guest, Miss Ashley Cox. Ashley, welcome to the show today. So excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So why don't we start with the basics, Ashley? Tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So it's the simplest terms you can put it is I help business owners hire and lead profitable, sustainable, impactful teams with more confidence and more ease. I love that. That is so specific that you really help people around teams. Now, Mm -hmm. I know how critical teams can be when it comes to growing a business, but can you share with us just a little bit about why you chose that, why it's important to have somebody who knows what they're doing like you to help them with their teams? Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I actually started my HR career in the corporate world. And it was not a career that I actually chose. It was chosen for me because my leadership had seen that I was really great with hiring and team building and and leading our team and, and achieving goals and metrics and measurables that they had. So it really was just a an opportunity for me to explore a new career avenue when I was in the corporate world. And then after I'd been, you know, doing this in corporate for about a, a 10 years or so, I saw an opportunity to, to really support small businesses, um, you know, businesses that have under 50 employees who don't have HR departments, who don't need HR departments, but who always need that guidance and that support. Because even if you're not uh, growing a massive team of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees, there are still regulations, there's still compliance, there's still better ways to implement different processes and policies and procedures that can help you grow um, in a way that's going to be legally defensible uh, so that you're not getting your business into trouble because all the money that you've made, we want you to be able to keep and we don't want to, you know, give that to the government or to some other organization when you know, you could have just had some advisement or you could have had some guidance on here's how to do this the right way so that you don't get into trouble. Um, And there's also just the component of most of the businesses that we've worked with over the last seven, eight years, this is their first time leading. They've not been in a role where they're responsible for other people. They've been in individual contributor roles. And it is a very, very different world when you step into that leadership role and you start becoming responsible for guiding and directing your team, for getting the most out of your team, for supporting uh, your team, whether that's through giving them proper instructions and delegating effectively, or it's having hard conversations when things go sideways. So having that support from both sides, not just the leadership side, but also that foundational HR side with the compliance and the regulation has really been where my sweet spot has been in supporting businesses and and why I'm I'm really passionate about supporting small businesses. Yeah, I really love that because you can get when those bigger organizations, you can get really wrapped up in the legal compliance and all those things. And then this 50 person or below team, which is really so important for you to actually grow your business and to be able to lead effectively, like it's even outside of, yeah, sure, the legal stuff, but 
how do I lead? And, and I have this specialty over here. And then all of a sudden I need a team to help me. I love that you come in and support business owners around that because it's really one of the major obstacles that they have to actually getting bigger is that they need the help of other people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's funny because it's a chicken and an egg situation, right? You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, I've, people have been falling in my lap and it's been so easy to hire and I haven't had any challenges, but they aren't doing the things I need them to do. They're not aligned with the company culture in the way that I need them to be aligned with. They're not, you know, performing at the level I need them to perform at. And, you know, business has been harder and we're not making as much money. We're not as profitable. This doesn't feel sustainable. I feel like I just want to throw it all away. I want to fire everybody and just go back to being a solo business owner. And I'm like, okay, well, there's better things we can do than that. Um, then on the flip side, maybe somebody has a real gift for leadership skills, but they're having a really hard time hiring. And so they're not finding the right candidates. They're not finding enough candidates. They feel like they put their job ad out there and there's just cricket. Nobody's applying for it. And there's problems and solutions on both sides of the fence. So that's why I like to marry those two together, because you have to be able to have effective recruiting skills to get the right people in the door and then have the right leadership skills in order to lead that team to be profitable and sustainable and impactful. I love that. I love that. Can you share, do you have an example of maybe a client you can share with us that came in and they looked like this one way and they worked with you and, and they, they left with, with, with some sort of outcome. Can you paint that out for us in an example? So one of our really great examples is a client that came to me a few years ago, um, actually during the pandemic. And she was like, okay, I'm really wanting to ramp up this, this business. I have this idea, but it's going to take a lot of people. And over the course of about eight months, we added an additional 35 headcount to her team. And part of that was going back and revamping the entire recruiting and hiring process. What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? When we look at that, we said, okay, tell me about your team members. Who's on your team right now? Who's doing exceptionally well? Who was a really good hire for you? Okay, now let's talk about who's not cutting it. Who's missing the mark? Let's look at the differences in why did, did both of these different types of team members get hired and how do we make sure that going forward, we hire only those best fit team members. So there was a lot of digging into the data, looking at what's working, what's not working, adding some things to their process, removing some things that weren't working and we're just clogging up the process because people, when they want jobs, they want jobs now. They don't want jobs in six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks down the road. And they also want to hear from you. And so those were some really big priorities that we put into place was let's make sure we're getting the right people in here. And let's make sure that that process is really streamlined, super smooth. It's giving a great candidate experience. And so um, over the course of that eight, eight months initially, we really focused on that hiring process and getting incredible candidates. And, and even I was teaching their team, how do you conduct an effective interview? What are the kinds of questions you should be asking? What are the questions you've got to stay away from? The illegal questions, the ones that are going to get you in hot water. Um, and then part of that, too, was, OK, well, the candidate responded this way. What do we think about that? OK, let's talk about it. Let's explore. Was this a good answer? Was this not a good answer? What does that look like when we say that's a good answer or that's a bad answer? How do we create alignment within the team so that way whenever anybody on that leadership team interviews, we know we're going to get a consistent quality result. 
I love that. I love how you trace it clear back to the source instead of maybe it's a lack of training or maybe it's a lack of this after we bring them on. But instead, no, we really go back to the source of the interview process itself to make sure that we're onboarding actually the right people, which probably solves a lot of other problems down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, continuing with that process, the next part that we worked on was how do we make sure that we're onboarding these new team members effectively? And so we yeah. dug into every part of their onboarding process, their training, their documentation. How do we make sure that we're communicating a clear and consistent message, that there's no gaps in our training, that there are no opportunities for us to lose a really amazing candidate because we didn't do our job as a company to provide them with the same experience or better once they were in that onboarding. Because what usually happens is even if you have a bang up hiring process, a lot of times what I see with small businesses is that's where it falls off. Then it becomes, right. well, it's sink or swim time. It's trial by fire. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's maybe not do that because one in three um, employees quit within the first 90 days. And so that one in three, I hadn't heard that before. Wow. It's a, it's a shocking statistic, but it's one I think we need to know as business owners. One in three people quit in the first 90 days, and it's usually due to a lack of onboarding or effective onboarding training. Yeah, and that can be really, really expensive because you're pouring mm -hmm. in three months of work and money and training and knowledge just for them to leave, and you have nothing left to show for it. So it's yeah. really worth it to invest in that hiring process up front and do it right. Absolutely. And even if you already have a hiring process, always important to go back and reassess it. Is this working? What, what was working that's not working anymore? What can we do to streamline? How can we make this more efficient for us as the company as well as for our candidates? Um, this is their first experience of you. And I know from a marketing standpoint, one thing I talk a lot about with my clients is that this is your brand reputation. Every single time you go to hire, every single time you put your name out there to say, hey, company ABC, we're hiring for this position. People are going to be watching you. They're going to be looking. Are they consistent in their values? Are they walking their talk? Are they saying we offer work-life balance, but, you know, the job description doesn't read like work-life balance? Are we, are we really getting back to people? Are we following up? Are we true to our word? This is how employees are testing employers today to say, do I want to work there or not? Are they in alignment with what they say? They, that they stand for, or are they not? And you demonstrate that at every step of the interview process. So you're making it sound like the current, like post-pandemic, here we are, late 2020. Is it mostly, are, are, do employees have the upper hand on the employers right now? Or, or what's the balance right now, according to you? Yeah, I think employers uh, have really lost a lot of the upper hand over the last few years, for sure. There seems to be some of a, a swinging back into balance a little bit right now in late 2023, but the employees, the, the job seekers really do continue to have the upper hand. Um, and there's something that has been coined as the belief-driven entrepreneur or the belief-driven employee as being people who are more invested in what values do, does your company have? What do you stand for? You know, what's your stance on particular social or, or racial justice issues? Because those are the things they want to know before they commit their time, their talent, their expertise, their loyalty to your company. And so those things may feel very um, scary and foreign for a lot of businesses because, you know, we've been taught for many, many years, whoa, 
don't talk politics and don't talk religion and business. It's all about business. But today's employee wants to know where you stand. And so that's something that's been a big shift and, and a big growing pain for a lot of companies, big and small. Makes sense. Will you share just a little bit about the importance of once you onboard an employee that you want to keep them around for as long as possible and like and, and nurture their expertise and the more valuable they get, the longer they stay? Can you expound on that, the importance of that a little bit? Absolutely. So there's a couple of different things that we talk about when it comes to employee development. There's the initial orientation period, which is, hey, get to know us. We get to know you. Welcome to the company. We're so glad you're here. And that's usually like a day or a week time frame. Then you move into the onboarding period. And that should last no less than those first 90 days. But in my opinion, true onboarding is a year-long process because nobody can see every single aspect of your business until they've been there for a full calendar year. There's some things that we just don't do but once or twice a year. And so it's not super fair to expect somebody to be 100% up to speed until they've had an opportunity to see everything that goes on. Now, maybe your business operates a little differently. Maybe they're not going to be engaged in something that only happens once or twice a year, but it's still a good um, estimate. So three months to one year is a good estimate for your onboarding period. And then after that, employees move into ongoing development training. And that's what you're asking about, Lindsay, is, okay, now that we have them past onboarding and we've got them up to speed and they're doing a good job, how do we keep them engaged? And part of that is, making sure that you've got some clear ideas of here are the opportunities that are available in our company. Maybe you're not a massive company that has 37 different career paths and opportunities, but every single small business I've worked with, whether they're making low six figures, mid seven figures, eight figures, whatever, they all have opportunities for growth and development. And that comes along with looking at what's my business plan? Where's my company growing? And what kind of talent do I need in order to support that growth? And so even if it doesn't exist today, what are those future opportunities? And how could we look at our, in our team and we say, okay, here's what it's going to take for us to get to this point. Who's interested in doing what? It's okay to ask people. And I think that's a big part that we miss a lot when it comes to training and development. Training and development isn't something we do to people. It's something we do in collaboration with people. And that's a part that I'm such a huge proponent of is let's just ask, what are you interested in learning? What do you want to do next? How do you want to grow? And then building that plan personally and professionally together with them. So really bringing on like a team member and caring about, you know, people and yeah. where they want to go, providing those kind of opportunities to really keep them on your team and part mm -hmm. of your company for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think so many times we think that we have to have all the answers as the business owner, and we don't. You know, sometimes the best ideas for career paths in a company have come from other team members. You know, a lot of times I encourage the, the business owners that I work with, go back and ask your team, what, what career paths do you see for us? Where do you see opportunities for us to, you know, continue growing and to expand? What would you like to be doing to help support the company in a year or two years down the road? And we don't have to get, you know, too far down the road. You know, what are we doing in 10 years from now? Who knows? We know small business changes and it changes every three to six months sometimes. Um, right. But just asking people for their input, um, because a lot of the time people just want to be heard. They just want an opportunity to share their ideas, to share their voice 
to be engaged in that process. And when we give them the forum to do that in an appropriate way, hey, this is what we're talking about today. This particular function of the business, how do we see this growing? Um, that gives them some structure. It gives them some guidelines to say, okay, this is how to shape my feedback. This is how to share my ideas so that it doesn't just become, you know, a, a word vomit all over everybody. And we're like, oh my God, now we have a million new ideas and absolutely no capacity or time to implement any of them. So we also want to be strategic in the way that we ask for ideas from our team members to keep it really on point and, and targeted toward what we're working toward. Sounds good. And it sounds like what you're really saying is like, if especially if you have a smaller team, that you involve them, you involve them in the mm -hmm. company and give them an opportunity to see where the company's going and that they can play a part in that and that you're not just like bossing people around and being the dictator over here. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, most small business owners don't want to do that. They write people who are are proactive, who come to them with ideas, who are uh, taking initiative. You know, these are a lot of the the types of phrasing that I hear from small business owners every single day. It's like, I just want someone who takes initiative. Give them the opportunity. Because what's happening is we don't give them the opportunity and we shut initiative down. And if you want people who are going to come in and they've got ideas and they've got a fire lit up under them and they've, they're taking initiative and they're just getting stuff done, you have to cultivate the kind of culture that welcomes and, and expects and appreciates that. Not one where they're being micromanaged and told every single thing to do every minute of the day because you're going to kill that initiative and that creativity. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, Ashley, how do you help people? Would you call yourself a consultant or a coach or like a fractional, a fractional um, HR department? How do you help people? Yes. Just yes. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. Um, we usually call it our, our kind of our trifecta. Um, there's consulting when there's a right or wrong answer, when there's a yes or no way to do something because you're just going to get in trouble if you don't do it this way. Um, there's coaching for when you need to explore a little bit deeper, when, you, when you've got the answer, when you need to trust yourself, when, when you just need a little um, courage or encouragement to get there. And then there's mentoring where there's a lot of experience that I've had. There's a lot of experiences that I've seen you know, other leaders experience. And so sometimes it's just, hey, let me share four or five different ways that this has been done in the past. And you kind of decide which way do I want to go, which feels best for me in this moment and with the values that I have established in my business and in my personal life. So a little, it's a little bit of a mix of everything and, and a lot of uh, done for you and done with you um, sort of uh, approaches that happen because there's just a, there's a lot that comes to, to leading a team of people. And um, we try to take as much of that off your plate as we can. That's great. So do you mostly help people just in a one-on-one -on -one way or do you offer, do you have uh, courses or pro programs outside of like one-on-one -on -one bespoke packages to work with you? I don't currently. I've considered doing a course in the past. I personally just love working one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, that's the model I've just really embraced and love. Um, and and I, I think that there's value in being with somebody in their business every single week and, and getting that continuity of care where it's, you know, this this problem came up and then here's how we're going to handle it this time. And let's build a process around that. How are we going to build that into the future? Do we need a policy? Do we need to, you know, think of some leadership development training that you might need or your team might need that really supports that? And so I just don't feel like you can get that a lot with, um, you know, some of the other services that are, are op options out there. 
Um, but I really love to just kind of build the HR processes with the, the companies as we go. That makes sense. So people reach out and you basically create a custom program and you work with people one-on-one primarily. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you currently find customers? What's your favorite marketing strategy and how do you usually find more customers for your online business? Yeah, I am a people person. And so since I love to work with people one-on-one, I find that most of my um, my most of my marketing efforts that are the most successful is anything I can do in person or virtually in person, if you will. So speaking opportunities are a fantastic way, whether it's with a live audience, it's in a, a virtual summit, it's in a workshop within a group program. Um, I do a live Q&A every month inside of a group program that I absolutely love. And we get a, a really great opportunity there to connect with clients. Um, podcast interviews are a great way. I think sometimes people think that HR is really scary and it's hard. And I try to make it super fun, approachable. Um, I've got your back. And I think that that translates a lot better when you can hear me or you can see me versus um, just a written post on social media or a blog post or something like that. Um, And we also have our own podcast where we get to share our message and I get to talk to guests and um, just talk about HR in, in a way that makes it feel not as scary. It's a lot of times it, people think it's like the principal's office for grownups. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that, about mm-hmm. uh, people being scared of HR. Like yeah. what, what are they saying to you? Oh my gosh, all kinds of things. Um, I thought you only had to go to HR when you were in trouble or you only, you only talk to HR when you're getting fired. Um, and, and I really see HR as being more of an advocate for both the company and for the employees that work there. You know, when I talk to our customers, it's not just, oh, bad employee, like you should fire them or you should punish them or you should put them on a performance review. It's let's talk about this from a leadership perspective. What else could you have done? What else could you have said differently? How can we approach this in a more, you know, supportive way? Okay, what's your initial feeling? It's anger, it's frustration, it's I just want to, you know, fire everybody and start over. Okay, let's move away from that and toward what can be more of a collaborative experience for the employer and the employee. Um, So I think that a lot of of what people have experienced in corporate with their HR department being so far removed and only coming in when things are troublesome is what tends to come over into the small business world. But my goal is always that we're proactive, that we're always looking for ways to avoid problems, to avoid you know, tense situations to avoid having to have hard conversations because nobody likes those. The employer doesn't like them. The employee doesn't like them. HR doesn't like them. Nobody wants to be in a hard conversation. Okay. That's not fun. Um, And so we're always looking for ways. How do we, how do we support the employer and make sure that they've got the resources and tools and team that they need? And how do we support the team to make sure that they feel heard and seen and validated and supported in their role? And to me, it's just a a proactive, collaborative process, and it doesn't have to be scary. It gets to be really fun. I like it. I like how you pull in leadership because it really starts there. Mm -hmm. I always view if the team isn't really doing what I want them or like I'm not seeing the outputs or I'm frustrated, it started with me. I did not lead them well. Yeah. And and that's a hard thing to admit, you know, And, and we don't like to say it's my problem. Um, But most of the time, there's something we generally could have done better, and it is our problems. Yeah, after we are, we are the leader and we are the captain of the ship, after all. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people will say they want one thing, 
but then their behaviors or their actions tell a totally different story. So it's about saying, okay, but what do you really want? And how do we create aligned leadership behaviors and actions that support what you want? I like that. I like that. Okay. So a lot of the audience are online business owners. They probably have team all over the world. They don't have a physical office space. Mm -hmm. Can you give us one tip on how to bring leadership and, and just team cohesiveness to that kind of a situation? Uh, We work with a lot of dispersed teams. The majority of our clients are online business owners with dispersed teams all across the country and around the world. And I think one of the things that we would say that I would say would be really good for team leadership is is making sure you're you're making individual time for each of your team members. Now, if you have thousands of employees, that's not going to be possible. But making sure that you're making time for those those group leaders or those team leaders who are in charge of other people. Um, everything shouldn't be a group meeting. Everything shouldn't be held in just your regular weekly meeting. We need other touch points that remind people of their humanity, that we say, I see you. I see you doing a really amazing job in these areas. I see you struggling in these areas. How can I support you? How can I be there for you? So much of what we do, we rely on technology and we rely on data and analytics and metrics, but a lot of times we forget the humans in the human resources. And so I think that it's important just to come back and say, okay, if I was if I was in this person's position, what would I want? What would be helpful? What would be nice um, to have from my leader? You know, would I like to talk to them? And not everybody's going to need that level of care. There are going to be some people that say, I don't need you to talk to me unless something's gone wrong. Okay, great. So we can also lead in a way that is aligned with each individual person's needs. So don't just cookie cutter stuff. You know, really think about who am I talking to and what do they need? And sometimes there's seasons in, in business where somebody needs a little more support and then you get them on the right track and they're doing amazing and you can back off a little bit. Um, but just because somebody needs a little more support now doesn't mean that everybody on the team needs a little more support right now. So, you know, also being mindful of how much time you have to give and focusing your time and care on those folks who really need more of you right now. I love that. I've also noticed because I I've implemented your advice and, you know, I meet with my strategic leadership team one on one once a week. There's things that come out in that one on one that people aren't comfortable sharing with other people. Like it's a it's a different conversation that you can move at, like move ahead much quicker and more effectively that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not everybody wants to share their dirty laundry in the team meeting. (laughs) Right. <laughs> that's yeah. just not a that's not a good place. So if you're wanting people to be more open, to be more uh, vulnerable, to share what's what's really going on and how you can best support them, those one on one meetings are absolutely invaluable. Even if it's once a month, I'd rather you yeah. meet with them once a month than not meet with them individually at all ever. I agree. I like that. OK, so here you are, Ashley. You're a successful business owner. Uh, you're helping many people all over the world. If you were to go back before you started your online business and you could tell yourself one thing, one piece of advice, what would that be? Trust yourself. Oh, I like that. Can you yeah. expound anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I think that so much of my personal early business journey was spent, oh, what are they doing? What is what is that person doing? Should I do this? Should I try that? Okay, let me let me scrap this whole thing and try something different and and it's just the more I've leaned into, no, I know what's best. I know the way that this works the best. I know what works the best for me. I know the ways that I enjoy serving the best. I've tried a hundred thousand different things. And I think that what comes down to it is when I know my client, when I know my skill set, 
when I know the way in which I like to serve the best, everything just works so much better. Yeah, this word that keeps coming up in our interview, which is alignment. Alignment yeah. with your business is really how how you can succeed. So for important. Sure. For sure. Thank you, Ashley. So thank you so much for taking the time on this interview. Before I let you go, I'm going to turn the time back over to you. Can you tell everybody how to find you and anything else you'd like the audience to know? Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I always tell people we are sprouthr.co everywhere you go. So that's our website, Facebook, Instagram, all the places online. Um, I would love to talk to you if you have a team or you're thinking about having a team. Um, you know, part of it sometimes is just figuring out where am I? Where do I need to be? What do I need to have in order to get there? And um, I am not one to force people into having a team. I think that it's important for you to know what your business goals are what your desires are from a leadership standpoint or don't want to lead a team standpoint. Um, and I'm never one that's to force or, or drag people into leading a team. I think I've probably talked more people out of having teams than I <laughs> talked them into it um, because I think that that's what makes a difference. That's what makes a great leader um, really rise above is the person who wants to be there, who wants to have the team, who wants that responsibility, who's all in from the get-go. Um, and that's what really just catalyzes the entire business. So if you're even considering, you're like, is this something I want? I'm open to those conversations and would be glad to have that with you without any sort of preconceived idea of my own as to whether or not you should be a leader. I love that. Thank you, Ashley. It's been a true pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for listening to The Millionaire Maker Show with master business coach and creator of The Millionaire Maker Coaching Funnel, Lindsay Anderson. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time.